And now, broadcasting through Blue Collar Media, it's time for the Big Bash Podcast. Thanks to the Big Red Bash Birdsville and the Monday Monday Bash Broken Hill. Two big events rocking the outback. Yes, g'day and welcome to the very first edition of the Big Bash Podcast where we talk everything about two of Australia's largest music festivals, the Big Red Bash in Birdsville and the new Monday Monday Bash in Broken Hill. However, these two iconic events are more than just music festivals these days. They are, in fact, a very unique Outback Australian event that provides people with an experience like no other. Just travelling to these events is an adventure in itself that adds to the entertainment in two fantastic Outback locations. Now, on this podcast, we'll speak with not only the artists who make the trip out to these places to perform for you, but the people who work tirelessly behind the scenes, from the volunteers to the full-time and part-time employees, who can Combine all of their efforts to create memories that you will look back on for a very long time to come. We'll also provide you with event updates, useful information, travel tips and of course updates of what is happening at the time. We'll also speak with the business people in surrounding areas who benefit from these events and we'll speak to you. We'll also speak to Outback characters and the bash goers who make the trek to enjoy and experience what these events offer. Now, look, as I say, this podcast is for you and we welcome feedback from all bash goers. And if you'd like to get in touch, it's pretty easy to do so. You simply email bigbash at omfgroup.com.au. That's bigbash at omfgroup.com.au. Say good day and please email any questions that you may have as we are here to not only provide you with entertainment information, but to also answer any questions that you may have. We're broadcasting through Blue Collar Media. You are with The Duck. And of course, this is the Big Bash Podcast. Well, we thought for our very first edition of the Big Bash Podcast, we should go way, way back and speak to the uh, the founder of the Birdsville Big Red Bash, and now, of course, the Monday, Monday Bash. And I'm, of course, speaking of Greg Donovan. And for those of you who have uh, been to the event more than once, you're certainly familiar with Greg. He is the uh, the man who welcomes you when you uh, when the event kicks off and the man who says thank you and see you next year at the end of the event. And, uh, and we'll also give you some information about what's happening at Monday this year in August as well as we move along. But I thought it was important that we go way back to find out how this started because now, in my opinion, the Big Red Bash in Birdsville is probably Australia's largest music event. The Monday Monday Bash will be that within no time at all. They are two very, very unique um, outback experiences. They're more than just music events. They are an absolute experience, entertainment plus. And it's all because of one man who didn't even have a vision, to be honest. He it all happened by mistake, and I am—I thought we'd have a chat to Greg Donovan to kick off our first edition of the Big Bash podcast, and I have him on the line. Greg Donovan, hello. G'day, Luck. How are you going? Mate, I'm going all right, and I think I've nailed that, haven't I? It, was, it happened by yeah, mistake. I think, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> look, <I'll laughs> it has sort of uh, happened, happened by mistake. I don't think anyone actually planned to do something like that. That would be a bit of a... Bit of a silly thing to try and do, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's a it's been a journey, an interesting journey. Certainly. Now, I think before we get into that, I think we should. Uh, I personally thank you. I think this is a great idea. The uh, the big bash podcast where we can keep. Um, the bash goers, you know, informed of what is happening and get some artists on to get their view on what it's like to perform at the, these events and, the, and stuff like that. So firstly, um, I think it's a great thing. Thanks for being a part of this and allowing me to be a part of it as well. And I think uh, hopefully that the bash goers uh, who do make the trek out to these events will certainly uh, gain some information out of it. And of course, we want them to be a part of it. But let's go way, way back. Your you, you've, you're a marathon runner in your part, in your spare time. You're actually working in the <laughs> corporate world and uh, yeah. you're running, you know, you're doing desert runs all over the place, not just in Australia. And your son um, has type 1 diabetes and then you decide to put a run on across the Simpson or parts of the Simpson to, to raise money and awareness for that. That's correct, yeah. So sort of going back a little, a little bit, my, um, my young son, Steve uh, got type 1 diabetes back, um, it was about 2008, 
um, when he was about 15 years old. So, um, yeah, look, I didn't know much about type 1 at the time, but you learn it's, uh, you know, a lifelong disease and it's, uh, you've got to, you know, manage, your, manage it daily and it's a really, uh, you know, really horrible disease and uh, so many people have it um, and it's not curable. So, you know, it's quite a, quite a shock for, uh, you know, one of your kids to be diagnosed with that. So I sort of, uh, you know, I'd done a lot of running in the past. I'd, I'd done sort of like some charity runs. I did a big charity run for a company I worked for, Aon. I uh, went to the uh, New York Marathon uh, back in 2002, raised a lot of money for, um, uh, you know, for, for in relation to the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the 9-11 uh, disaster, which Aon's employees, like many, lost lives. So we were raising money for that. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, running, running events are a great way to, uh, you know, draw attention, raise money, but it had to be really challenging. So I decided to take on um, what they call the Four Desert Series, which involves running 250 kilometres uh, across four different, each deserts of the world. So we went to, uh, you know, the Atacama Desert in Chile, high altitude desert, and then the Gobi Desert in the western China, uh, over near Afghanistan. Probably couldn't get there nowadays. No. <laughs> uh, we went to the Sahara Desert, ran through the Sahara Desert and finished at the pyramids. Uh, and then, then from there we went to Antarctica and, uh, and ran, ran, ran around Antarctica. So <laughs> all these crazy, amazing runs. And we pulled together a team of... Um, Five people, including my eldest son, who didn't have type one diabetes, and, uh, and and did this as a team. We were sort of the first ever team of runners to complete this four desert series uh, in the one year. Um, so we did it all that back in two thousand and twelve, and raised a lot of publicity and a lot of money for um, for type one diabetes, uh, all through the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, which was great. Uh, but then, you know, we didn't want the effort to be just a one off, so I decided that you know Australia didn't have any of these desert runs. Uh, nothing like that in Australia. So I decided to start uh, knowing how these runs worked and seeing them in action and great events. I decided to start one in Australia and we scouted around for the place to do that and, and decided Birdsville is probably the best place because it's you know got a little bit of civilization, but it's on the edge of the Simpson Desert, which is sort of a bit of an iconic desert for Australia. And uh, so it went up to Birdsville and People thought I was crazy <laughs> trying to set up this run in Birdsville, but we, we got it set up, and, and the very next year in 2013, we uh, we started started that run. Uh, so we, when you started the run, did you do the run in the Simpson, and then that was just it, and, you know, basically completed the run and recovered from that? How, how many runs were there before you decided well, to put we, a little bit of entertainment on there, or, or did it happen straight <laughs> away? Well, it happened straight away. So the first run we did in, in 2013 uh, with was called the Big Red Run, um, 250 kilometres over over um, six days, starting at the Birdsville Pub, running out into the Simpson and, and finishing back outside the Birdsville Pub after six days. So, um, yeah, so that started in 2013 and we decided uh, to, to um, kick that off uh, by having a bit of entertainment for the runners and also the volunteers who are supporting the run. Um, and... Uh, and John Williamson at the time had just released an album called Big Red, and we had a few people who had contacts with John, and uh, and and uh, we were lucky enough to secure John to come out and and play uh, for us out out in the Simpson Desert. We played on top of Big Red. We set up this little little stage and a little stage built out of a few pallets and a bit of carpet, and <laughs> it was a really make this little stage it was tiny, mm. uh, and we got dragged a bit of production up there, and uh, you know uh, we borrowed the. Generator from the backup generator from the Birdsville Airport. They weren't too happy about that when council found out. But anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> we needed something to power it and drag that up the dune, and and we put a little concert up uh, on, on top of the dune there. And I said it was for the runners and for the volunteers. But, well, you know, how did the caravan? Well, just sorry to interrupt you, but I, I remember back in that that time, and I was actually travelling, and I was at the Nindigali Pub, and we we stopped there the night, like many caravanners and campers do, you know, as part of a trip, and. I bumped into people that were towing caravans that were telling me that they were going out there. How did the mm. word spread? I mean, you, you, you've, put oh, this, I don't, I don't. you've put this on. I mean, you put this on for, your, yeah. for the runners and for the yeah, volunteers yeah. as a bit of a private Yeah, well, pri- we don't, I don't really. You know, you know how the Bush Telegraph works. I, mm. You know, like, well, I don't know how it spread, but all of a sudden we were starting to get phone calls at our office, uh, you know, and saying, oh, I heard John Williamson's playing on Big Red. You know, how can we come and watch that? I'm thinking, well... You know, we get more and more of these phone calls all the time and emails and you know, all these people want to come and listen to John Williamson on Big Red. And so we thought, oh, well, 
bugger it, we'll just sell some tickets if for people who want to come along. You know, mm. they're not part of the run or every, anything, but if they want to come along, we'll sell them a ticket, 100 bucks, pretty special event. Yeah. And, right, yeah, uh, and, and raise, raise more money. That, raise more yeah, money. Raise more money. Time, yes. Yeah, yeah, and so it's right. And help, and help to cover some of the costs. It's quite a mm. bit of cost to get John there and, uh, you know, the production and everything. So there's a bit of cost there. We thought, oh, well, I'll help cover some of those costs and raise some more money. So, yeah, we sold a few tickets, not not too many, you know, two or 300 maybe. Um, and uh, between that that and the locals, we invited all the locals from Birdsville for free and, uh, you know, we had all our runners and volunteers. So we probably had, you know, somewhere around 500 of people sitting on top of the dune listening to John Williamson, um, you know, Fantastic, um, unbelievable, yeah, and, and to yeah, think that well, the trek, the trek out there, it, it, it's a it's a drive, especially towing a caravan, and yeah. so basically to watch what John Williamson performed for what two hours or an hour and a yeah, half, yeah, 90, 90 minutes, ninety minutes he performed for, and uh, I didn't even see most of the performance. It was, uh, uh, you know, I'd run, I'd, I was running this big red run myself. I wasn't, I was I actually ran with my son Stephen. We ran mm. from Birdsville out to Big Red, forty-two kilometres that day, and I was pretty pretty knackered but you know and then I got to the got out the Big Red and then I spent the rest of the day running up and down Big Red getting organising this concert and I was just knackered but Rayleigh my wife she also wanted to run you know she'd never run a marathon before she's not even a runner but she wanted to do the uh, run from Birdsville Hotel out to Big Red and um, anyway by the time the concert started around sunset about six o'clock well she still hadn't come in and nobody knew where she was she was out lost out in the desert so, oh, no. <laughs> so I was panicking so I got in one of the cars, you know, one of our you know four-wheel drive utes, and I was driving all around the desert with, you know, lights on, driving on the where the track was supposed to be for the runners, trying to find Raylene, you know, hollering out, where are you out there, Raylene? And couldn't find her anywhere. I looked for about an hour all around, all around the desert in the dark and uh, really panicking, you know, because you don't mm. want your wife lost down in the desert overnight. Um, yeah, so that, that was that was my experience. I didn't get to see that, that you know, a lot of that concert at all. I could hear it, you know, in the distance. I could hear him singing True Blue and all that, which was yeah. great. But, uh, you know, I got back to camp and then eventually, uh, you know, Raylene had just come in. She came in from another direction. And she said, oh, well, I was okay. She said it was, I could see the lights and I could hear the music, so I knew where to go. That's incredible. So, uh, That's yeah. incredible. No, yeah. I've never heard you tell me, you've never told me that yeah. story. That is quite unbelievable. So yeah. you do that and, and, and John Williamson performs there. And everybody's happy, and you leave. Mm. Then what happens? Because I was there the following year, and I think from memory yes. there were about yes. four thousand there. So what no, happened? Well, we, or was it less we than were, that? Yeah, we had uh, the following year. We decided, you know, we've had such incredible feedback from people, you know, coming and listening to music in the, you know, in the desert on top of Big Red, and you mm. know, we want. We thought, well, this is really unique having a having a concert on top of a sand dune. So we decided next year to do it. Uh, to do it not as part of the run because this this happened just you know on the first day of the run the evening of the first day of the run we decided to to do the run and then after the run we would do after the six day run we would put a little festival on and we'll do it over two days and we'll get more artists and you know we'll try and create a little bit of a festival thing out out of this you know and uh, so we, yeah we've got a bunch of artists for the next year we've got Daryl Braithwaite and, and James Rain and. Joe Cavalieri and you know Tom Williamson back, Casey Chambers and a few others, and uh, yeah, we we, uh, we, uh, we we made it two days and we did it, got it all set up after the run. Um, you know, we were going to have it on the top of the gym, but it was absolutely blowing a gale, and we couldn't set up a stage up there because it was like a sandblasting machine. So we decided, oh, we'll just we'll just whack the stage down the bottom of the dune out of the wind as much as we can, and put the stage down there. Told people to sit over there it was really quite rudimentary mm. uh, the way it was all, all, all sort of uh, done but you know everybody came out and had a good time there's about I think we had about 1200 people come all together um, but uh, you know we lost a lot of money we, we just had no idea how much all, all of this sort of stuff cost to put on and cost a boxer and uh, 1,200 people just uh, just didn't pay the bills um, at the time you know we said the ticket price was pretty low and uh, you know it just wasn't uh, just wasn't viable and we, we, we came back from from that in 2014, thinking, well, you know, that was a bit of a silly idea, really, trying to start up this festival in Birdsville in the middle of nowhere, you know, it costs a lot to put on, where, the, where are all the people going to come from, we just can't get enough people, and and then uh, within a week, I guess, I got back to work, and, uh, you know, within a week getting back to work, I'm back in the office, and insurance company, and, uh, you know, I was called in and uh, told uh, Greg, uh, you know, we have a bit of a restructure, and you don't have a job anymore, <laughs> so... Uh, 
yeah, I was, we were, I was going to give it away at that time, you know, the concert idea. And uh, then, then when I was made redundant, I thought, well, you know, I want to do something. Um, you know, I'll have another crack at it. And uh, so I had a bit of money in the pocket from the redundancy. I've been there for 20 years. Mm. And, uh, you know. Your, your finance, what did he say? Your finance yeah. advisor, he said, yeah, stick this so, here and yeah. invest that. No, I said, put, put, put it in super, you know, balance mm. fund, you know. <laughs> that sounds pretty, pretty boring to me. I said, I'm. So I went out and hired Jimmy Barnes. I thought, we've got to get this show, you know, revved up. And so I, went and I basically spent most of it on Jimmy Barnes and revving up the show and more promotion and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Well, let's have a real red-hot go at um, seeing if we can make something of it, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, the old saying is <laughs> you're better off, uh, you know, better off um, – living on your feet and dying on your knees. Sort of oh, thing. absolutely. So, you put them on the line, yeah. that is for sure. I mean, yeah. it's a <laughs> huge, <laughs> huge risk. I mean, you've, you know, you're talking about a seven, a 20-year redundancy package and, you know, working in the corporate world, so there's a bit of money there and you've basically, you know, ignored, you know, advice from professionals and just put the, you know, and just invested it into Jimmy Barnes. It's quite incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and we, and we, you know, look, we did, that, that was really a bit of a turning point for us and you know we, we, we attracted a bit over 3,000 people so you know mm. we were you know it was like well, well, hey we're on our way now we're starting to spread and we were putting more money into you know the, the, the festival with you know more artists and you know improving our management of it and you know all the setup and the administration and um, yeah so that was that was the um, you know that was the turning point you know and I thought well you know that was a, that was a pretty risky decision but in the end you know um, it, it Led us to um, go to the next step, and uh, you know, and it's just just gone from from strength to strength from there on. So, well, was it a hard was it a hard sell, Greg, to the artist in the beginning? I mean, when you you know you said to someone like Jimmy Barnes, well, we want you to come out and perform on the edge of the Simpson Desert, and I remember interviewing Jimmy on the radio. Um, I think when he, uh, before he performed out there when the event was moved into town, and and just he's. Just the way he described it, as a, from an artist's point of view, being on stage and looking out across, you know, across the plains where people were camped and watching, and he, he thought it was amazing. But originally, do you, do you think he knew what to expect? Because he, this is a no, bloke like performed a, everywhere. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's like right. This. I mean, uh, I thought, I thought, you know, I think uh, it's probably more out of interest that they've, they've come out originally. You know, or birds for where's that? And you know, it's she's uh, never been out there. And uh, you know, look, we were lucky enough to. To get him to come out in in 2015, and um, yeah, and I think as I say, you would have talked to him after that, and he would have been up on that stage and looking out over the dunes and the vans, and, it, and it's an amazing experience mm. for the artists, and uh, you know, it's really different uh, to, to anything else, you know, any sort of other environment they're performing in, and you know, they all talk to each other, and uh, you know, they they all love coming out, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a big big thing now, so we don't, you know, if they're available and. Uh, uh, you know they're they're all really happy to come out, so it, mm. it makes it really um, makes it a lot easier for us to you know to, to get great lineups together like we've done this year. It, it's it is incredible. Oh, well, this year's lineup, and we'll and we'll go through that very very shortly. And uh, and obviously the big announcement only a couple of weeks ago with Midnight Oil now um, basically headlining alongside Jimmy Barnes for the Monday Monday Bash later in the year, which is just. Incredible. In fact, I don't remember a, a program, any, any, I don't remember any music event with such a, an enormous, you know, strong lineup. It's just incredible. So, the, so basically, you've gone into the music business, Greg, music festival business, and not really knowing a lot about it. Mate, who, who, who advised you on, 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 you know, who you should be speaking to and how to approach these artists? Bear in mind, it, 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 you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're thinking, well, we, you know, we've got, we got to put the call out for some for some uh, people to work with us and volunteers mm. who now play an, a oh, yeah, massive yeah, part, yeah. a massive role, the volunteers now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, who, who helped you with this? Because it was you, your wife, Raylene, <laughs> the family yeah, thing, yeah. and... It yeah, started yeah, from daughter, nothing, and, yeah. and all of a sudden you're in yeah. this. Yeah, my daughter Laura was uh, was involved, but you know, look, it was just I was just on the way through the industry, and you know, make phone calls and talk to people, and some people uh, think you've got rocks in your head, but you know, you 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 just uh, you just got to talk to the right people and the right agents and the right booking people, and um, yeah, look, we had some really good relationships there that we 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 uh, started up in the early days, and more recent times we've been helped, uh, you know, by another promoter. Um, Mark uh, Krastowski and his team at Empire Touring are helping us a lot with 
um, artists' arrangements and bands and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all been a learning experience, really. And I guess coming from the corporate world, I guess what I bring to that, to the, to the festival and music business world is, you know, that sort of business side of things, uh, you know, the project management. I was always involved in projects and delivering projects and, you know, and, and I guess if you look at the festival, it's, it's just like a big project. There's lots of moving parts oh, and there's incredible. lots of deadlines and times and all that sort of stuff. So I sort of approach it with that sort of project management, um, you know, focus, if you like. Uh, mm. But, yeah, you do learn a lot about the industry and what makes it tick and, you well, know, well, how to put on a great show. Well, yeah. and I guess there are a lot of boxes that you needed to tick because you think back back then, I mean, the land's actually in Birdsville, which is privately owned land, so you need to obviously, you know, you know, negotiate with the owner of the land and explain to him what you want to try and do and then obviously talk to local council who weren't that happy with you anyway because you'd already stolen, the, you know, borrowed the generator from the airport. <laughs> um, but then infrastructure and things like... Toilet blocks, and I remember in the early days you had those big Pantech trucks come out and pump trucks yeah, in and yeah. out all, all oh. throughout the event all day, just you know, yeah, you yeah. know, sewage pump trucks coming in and out, and to to set up that sort of infrastructure and get and and not only that the staging and the the power, no. there's nothing there. There is yeah, it's, yeah. it's a big it's, it's a, a big thing to set up. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like setting up a uh, you know a little mini city. Really, you've mm. got nothing. You know, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's no power. There's no water. There's no sewage. There's no communications. There's nothing. You're like in the middle. It's like being on the moon in a way. And we've got to set everything up from from scratch. So you know, we have learned a lot over the years about what needs to be done and the whole process and the equipment you need. And, and so the sanitation, the toilets. We we move towards a um, composting toilet system that doesn't need water or pumping. Uh, and they're much more pleasant to use than, than a normal portaloo. So we, we actually designed uh, those ourselves and, um, you know, based on our experience. And we had 250 of those toilets made. They're all done flat pack and we set them up every year. And, um, yeah, so they work really well and we, we're continuing, continuing to improve those. Um, yeah, but there's so many aspects, uh, you know, every year we're fine-tuning and improving uh, what we do and how we do things. and. You know, the general feedback we get from everybody is, Jesus this is a really well-run event, you know, you can tell that, you know, tell that it's, uh, you know, they're on oh, top it, of everything. It, it, so. it's, it's incredible. And and the fact that, well, I've actually said it to you, it's, it's like a well-old well machine now. I mean, you, know, you look back at it now, and, and next year, 10 years of the Big Red Bash, which is absolutely, you would never, ever have dreamed that that would happen. And with so many people, I guess... It, not for COVID, it, it, the ten-year anniversary would have passed, I guess. But obviously, with COVID, and it not only affected your event, it affected you know just basically everybody's yeah, way every, of life, every every, every event, aspect yeah, of life. life yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. To, to do that, to set to to basically put all that infrastructure in place, to have that vision, uh, and then all of a sudden, as you as you're moving along, Greg, as over the you know the next few years roll by and. You know, you, you toss up some of the artists and you get some variety and you start to add a little bit of, you know, sideline entertainment and, you you know, you're putting things on like movies and, and little little bits of, um, you know, dancing and some interaction. You start to get the, you know, the, the participants, the, the you know, the people who buy tickets to go, you start to get them involved and, you yep. know, and get yeah. them to enter these, you know, like the Nutbush record attempt and... You know, and the Mad Maxing at Monday this year, so that all of yep, a sudden yep. it becomes more yep. than a music event. It's yeah, no yeah, longer it's, a little family thing. It's now become right. a business. It's now yeah, become a big yep. business. I mean, I just, I just think it's just amazing how it's evolved and the way that you've done it because it's not something that you would. It was none of it was planned, and now you have this involvement where now the the event belongs to the people. It belongs to us. It's everybody who attends. They just feel a part of it. Yeah, look, we we're so proud of the event. You know, we we um, you know each year when you see all those people come in, I mean, they're all they're all travelling around Australia. They're all on a holiday. They come. They've got a great you know attitude. They're they're awesome people. Uh, you know, they're having the time of their lives, and it's just it's a really uh, you know we're really proud and honoured to to um, you know to be able to create the the vehicle for for, for all of that to happen. It's really gives us a lot of satisfaction to to be able to do that. Yeah, it's, it is, it's quite incredible. So to, to think back that what started with a handful of people at the end of a desert run, how many people work on the uh, on the events now 
on a full-time basis, then obviously you employ people to come in as it gets closer, then volunteers in total. Yeah, right. How many people are? Yeah. How many people were involved in the very first one? What's oh, that? look, we, we cobbled it together with uh, a handful of people, maybe six or seven people just sort of uh, on the, you know, working a little bit part-time here and there. Yeah, and now? Um, you know, before, and now we've got, uh, you know, now we've got like full-time staff of, uh, well, in our own office, we've got like seven full-time staff, and then we also work alongside another, uh, events and logistics company, event safety services, who have a lot of staff who are working on it, the event pretty much year round. So there's a big team of us mm. working on every aspect of the event, and it's you know every every element of the event's really well managed and and uh, you know planned. And um, yeah, so it's it's like a well-oiled machine, as you said oh, before. Yeah. It's uh, you know, and and the great thing about you know having a bunch of people working on these events, you know, they're they're all really passionate about the event. They can just mm. you know they they they, they can just see that. They're working on something, and they can see the results of, you know, at the festival. They can actually see what what they've built and what they've delivered, and you know, mm. they've been part of that. So it's a really uh, great environment to be working in. Uh, you know, even though even though you're working all year to deliver, you know, three or four days of entertainment, um, it's it's a great environment to do that. It's incredible that it's a, it's a basically. I mean, I know you're already working on next year's um, big red bash, you know, the 2023 event mm. now, and the now, the 2022 event hasn't even happened yet, but you're already working on the 2023 event. Yep. The volunteers, yep. <laughs> Greg, well, look, I'm tipping a lot of volunteers will listen to this podcast. Mate, what would you like to say to them? Because you obviously don't get to meet all of them. It was funny when I drove into Monday, Monday uh, Bash uh, earlier this year and you were standing with the volunteers basically waving people in. I stopped, you chatted to me. Through the window yep. of the of the car, and a bloke <laughs> yep. up the other end was yelling at you, "Don't stop yep. him there! You've got to get him through." So he's barking instructions yep. at you, not yep. knowing who you are. <laughs> but mate, what, and you yep. obviously don't get to you know you don't get to meet all of them, obviously, because you're no. Out. Look, I, but what I, would I'd you like to, to say to them? Yeah, what would like, you say to yeah. them? I mean, are they a oh, look, I would, massive I, part I, of I it? Just, I just take my hat off to all of the volunteers. It's just uh, you know we're so grateful for what they bring to the event but it's you know it's not only the work that they do it's just the camaraderie that they bring and the you know that just the joy that they bring to everybody and, and you know the atmosphere that they create you know they they're wonderful people uh, our volunteers and um you know they get a lot of satisfaction out of being involved and you know obviously there's work involved but they're all working together you know mm. we've got a big volunteers campsite they're all camping together and uh, you know, I try to meet as many as I can, but you know, with five hundred, uh, and a lot of other things going on, you just you just can't meet every, everyone. But we do have, uh, you know, after the event each year, we do have a big uh, volunteers thank you function in Birdsville. We actually do two nights of volunteer thank you function mm-hmm. at the community hall and have drinks and drinks and nibbles, and uh, you know, to put a bit of a slideshow up and thank all the volunteers and. Um, yeah, so that's a really great uh, opportunity. Um, unbelievable, five hundred of them. Yeah. Five hundred. Yeah, and they come. From, yeah, it's incredible. All over Australia, they come mm. from as well. They're, they're like our patrons there. They're not from any wetware in particular, you know. Uh, people say, where do you get all your volunteers from? I said, well, nowhere in particular. They come from everywhere, you know. They, it's like word of mouth. They hear about it. They want to be involved. People talk to each other and, and they sign up and, uh, and they volunteer. And, um, yeah, look, it's, they're a great bunch. And a lot of them are coming back, you know, year after year. We've, we've just created these little patches here. So, on, you know, so on your patches and we've got like a three-year and a five-year and an eight-year patch, and, and, and very soon we'll be creating the ten-year patch because some mm. people have been with us from the from the very start. They're like family now, yeah, really. It's incredible, mate. Can you believe? And I, I, I want to touch on the the event that you had to bring back into town. But can can you believe that um, that there are now Facebook groups of travellers, of people that you don't even know that have bought tickets and have got together and form these memberships on social media and offer each other tips and advice and and they and, and have created their own little communities outside of yep. the community that you've already created. There are these little yep. little <laughs> suburbs of people that, have, that are basically yep. travelling out there and, and you'll see, for, even throughout the year, you'll see... BRB on the back of a caravan or I was at yep. Lightning Ridge last weekend and I had a Monday's t-shirt on and three people approached me and said, oh, I was out there. You know, how good was that? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's amazing. But are you, yeah. does that surprise you? I mean, I guess that's the calibre of the people because when you think about it, 
in all the years that I know every event that I've ever been to, I've never seen any trouble. I've never seen any rubbish lying around. People respect the they respect the event. They respect the the location. They respect the land. It's just you've just nailed it. It's just unbelievable that you can put on something so big now with so many people, but everybody has got that common thought of we need to respect this event, respect where we are, and and what the rules are. Yeah. There's never any yeah, trouble. Yeah, look, we, we, it's amazing. Yeah, they're, a, they're a great crowd, and you know we mm. do get that feedback from the police and uh, and other emergency services. They say, look, this has got to be the best crowd that you know we've we've come across in a major event, and you know that you know you go a long way. You travel a long way to go to Birdsville, and most people are not travelling that far to go and make it. You know, mm. uh, carry on like you know idiots and make make nuisances of themselves, and mm. and you know be drunk and disorderly and all that sort of stuff. They, there's, you know, it's a really family-friendly event. We get hundreds and hundreds of families and, you know, probably got 1,500 kids at these events. So, you mm. know, that brings, a, that makes the environment, you know, uh, a great environment. And, you know, when there's a lot of kids around, people people just behave themselves, really, mm. they don't, you know. So it's fantastic. Oh. And, you know, we don't have the problems with, you know, the, the you know drugs or anything like that. We've never had any issues and no arrests and uh, really no incidents. So it's, you know, it's a great crowd. It's, uh, oh, it's you know, incredible. They're, oh, mate, it's they're, they're, uh, they're good, good to manage and, um, you know, and, and generally they're self-policing. self, self, self policing. Look, if anyone's carrying on a bit like a pork chop, you know, mm. someone will say to them, hey, mate, well, no, don't, don't do that, you know. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, so it's all, it, it's, a, it's a great crowd. Mate, you, you mentioned you've had your challenges over the years with it. And, and, I mean, you've copped your criticisms too. I can remember when you introduced um, the idea of, a, of a, you know, people travelling with a, with dogs in a section. And, you know, there mm. were people on social media saying, oh, for God's sake, can't you leave the dog at home? Or, you know, then there were people that supported it. But you still, you put it out there and you, again, put it on the line because, you know, when people, some people don't like change and people like the way that things are. But what you did yep. then was you opened the event up to people that like to travel with dogs that might not have. Oh, look, there's so that, many. Oh, it's unbelievable. We've got endless amount of inquiries about people wanting to, mm. you know, asking about can we bring my dog and all of that. And, you know, we sort of, I guess when we started the festival, we just said no dogs because that was just a general rule for all festivals. But then when we looked at it, you know, when we thought about it a bit more, we go, well, you know, all these people are travelling around with their dogs, they're camping with their dogs. The dogs are normally... Mm. you know, well-behaved dogs because that's the environment they're used to, you know. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, we thought, well, there's no reason why uh, why people can't bring their dogs. They, they'll actually add to the event, you know. It's, people mm. love dogs and, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, you know if it's managed properly and there's, you know, rules and, and whatever, it, 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 it should be fine. And we've had dogs now since uh, coming to our festival since 2017. I don't think there's any other festivals mm. from oh, ours that allow dogs. And, we've, and I can tell you, that you know, that the amount of issues we've had with dogs is, been absolutely minimal mm. um you know we've had one or two little things but um you know uh, when you consider the hundreds of dogs that come every year you know like one one year uh, someone uh someone went up on the dune and set off some fireworks you know not not through not it wasn't us so one of the mm. one of the crowd went up there just for a bit of fun and set off some fireworks and you know we obviously don't want that to happen and uh, and, and jumped on it but you know Fireworks scare dogs. You know, we had one of the dogs run off into the into the desert. No, <laughs> so no, of course, had, had to be had to be tracked down and found. But you know, look, apart from that, uh, we we really had no dramas. The people are really respectful. We have like doggy fashion parades, and mm. you know, people bring their dog, and uh, you know, we've got an area in the concert area where you know all the people with dogs can bring their dogs in the concert area. So it works really well. So mm. you know, it's a really sort of an Australian festival, isn't it? You can have a campfire at your camp. You can bring your dog. You know. You bring your own grog, it's, you know, it's just the way, you know, Australians like to, you know, be able to travel and, and uh, you know, be free and enjoy themselves. Well, well, I know tourist parks and that now are all accommodating for pets and the like because it is part of it right. now and certainly with the growth with the in the caravan, you know, industry at the moment with so, so many people joining that community and exploring Australia and taking their pets along, so people are accommodating that. Mate, as I said, you ha- you ha- you've had your challenges, and we- we've been at it here for a while now on our first edition of the podcast, but look, just just the year, I want to take you back to when there was a bit of rain out there, you've got yep. everything set up, you've got Jimmy Barnes, you've got Glenn Shorick, um, Brian Cadd, I think Russell Morris, and a stack of others, uh, Troy Casadale, Adam Harvey, big names all coming out to this event, tickets are sold, 
it rains, you can't get out the big red. What was going through your mind? Oh, I was panicking, really. We were out. Uh, we're actually out in the desert, out at Big Red. We had our camp set up out there. We were doing a doing Big Red Run. We did uh, Big Red Run every year before the concert um, to raise those money for, for JDRF. But um, you know, we had a sort of a day and a half of rain out there in the desert, and and where the uh, concert, you know, where the Big Red is, and the concert areas, it's on an old dry lake bed, and it's uh, when it gets a bit wet, gets a lot of rain on it, it uh, it turns to really claggy, horrible things. You know, you walk around and you, you've got about, you know, six inches of mud on the bottom of your boots and you can't get in and you can't get trucks in and it was horrible and that was sort of about a week, it was probably ten days, eight days before the uh, the concert and the road in and out from um, Big Red out to the, you know, virtual out to Big Red was all, you know, underwater in places it was hard to get through and we just looked at it and I, you know, uh, said, well, look, this might dry out in time, but I don't think it's going to dry out in time for us to get all of our gear in here and set up. And you know, we just can't take the risk of sitting around waiting for it to dry out. And if it doesn't dry out, then you know it's too late. We won't have time to set up and put this event on. So we made an early call, uh, which was a real, turned out to be a really good call to uh, look to move the whole festival into Birdsville itself and. Uh, Put it, put it on the oval. So uh, I went in probably ten days beforehand, ten or twelve days before, and the birds fall from out at Big Red, and I rang up, uh, rang up the CEO of the council, <laughs> Leon, and uh, Leon uh, got a few issues out at Big Red. He said, he said uh, "Do you mind if we uh, talk to you about uh, putting the concert on in Birdsville?" <laughs> There's a bit of silence and. And he said, "Yeah, Greg." He said, yeah, where, where, "Where were you thinking?" I said, "I reckon the Oval will be pretty, pretty good." <laughs> More silence. <laughs> uh, he said, "Yeah, okay, all right." He said, "Look, we're having a council meeting today. Actually, he said, let us let us discuss it, and we'll we'll come back to you on that." Mm. Um, and later in the day, they come back and they said, "Yeah, look, we'll support that." Uh, what do we need to do? And then from there, it was just we were young hell for leather. Mm. Uh, getting oh, all together and redo, redoing all of our plans and managing the whole thing and restructuring the whole event and our whole volunteer force and, and putting the whole, making the whole thing happen in Birdsville and uh, on the Able and it, and it and it went great. Um, you know, it's obviously not the same as being out at Big Red, but um, yeah, look, we we made it happen. We you know we really got a can-do team and uh, you know everybody had a great time. Uh, mm. You know, it was a bit few issues in terms of some people at the camp a bit further away because there's, you know, there's camping down on the common, but other people camping the other side of Birdsville. So, you know, it's not like being all together in one big campsite at Big Red, but, mm. you know, like under the circumstances, um, you know, people come all that way and they wanted a show and, and we gave them a great show. Oh, absolutely. And and, and I was going to mention that. I, my memories of, of that are people camping on the outskirts of town and and portaloos all, all everywhere, just you know, up and down <laughs> yeah, roads yeah. and and places, yeah, and then yeah. the lines up of people we are walking up, you know, through the streets of Birdsville with their chairs and their eskies. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, just yeah. incredible, and uh, yeah, but you still you, you still pulled off what was a fantastic event. It was an absolute credit to you. I think it was the year that you and I did. A, I think we did a six hour radio show from the beer garden there at the pub that year. Yeah, I think we did. That yeah, year. and you yeah, were exhausted, yeah. and I remember yeah, Raylene yeah. coming over to talk to you about something and. She looked exhausted, and it was it was basically oh, a massive, yeah. a massive event, and and the thing hadn't even started yet. It was just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. But look, yeah. I, I well, you got to remember, you got to remember too. We 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 do this, and we were at that time we were doing the event after being out in the desert for six days, putting on a running event. And when we were mm. trying to put on a running event with all the rain out in the desert, that was just a, a massive uh, problem for us, and you know, lots of issues. And we were exhausted because we had to redo the course and change things. And, People getting stuck, and so you know we come off this six days of a really challenging running event, and uh, and having to put on a festival in a different location than what was planned for. So, but uh, yeah, so it was a relief to get through it. <laughs> Mate, what, what I know we've, we've been talking for a while here, but there are things that you know that people don't know, and and that and don't know you. But what does it mean to you when you look at the economic benefits for the towns that are hundreds of kilometres away from these events? Who are reaping the benefits? Because I, I, I mean, anybody will know, can tell you now that when they you know, drive home from from Birdsville and, and and just recently in Monday, where three or four hundred kilometres away, you'll see a campground or a pub or a caravan park full of people wearing you know Monday Monday merchandise. 
What does it mean for you to because you've added a boost to some of these small businesses that have struggled through drought and and the like, and then when it's not drought, it's too much rain, and but all of a sudden you've got pubs, you know, like in the pub and Windora putting on live entertainment for three or four nights in the lead up, and the you know the Windora service station making money and having a lineup of cars, buying fuel and buying food and. And just yeah, spending money—it's money. incredible—and yeah. the fact that they yeah. have to now cater for that themselves and order extra yeah. loads of fuel. And I mean, what does that mean to you to think that you've actually provided such a boost to that to these, you know, yeah, the normally economy. just yeah. very, very yeah. quiet places? Yeah. Well, you draw draw sort of a, a radius around um, a circle around big red or birds for you know, maybe even a thousand kilometre radius, mm. and, and every one of those little towns is getting. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of business. I remember the people up in winter, they put on the week before uh, or, or a couple of weeks before, they put on the uh, Winton uh, Vision, uh, Vision Splendid Film Festival and then uh, a couple of weeks after that, the crowd from Big Red comes through. Mm. And people say in Winton, well, Winton's busier from the crowd that comes through from Big Red than when they have their own festival. So, you know, it, it, it makes a huge difference to all these little towns. And as you say, Windora, people queuing up for food, fuel and food and um, you know Tourism Queensland does the research uh, independent of us that we give them all uh, the email addresses and they email out a survey to all of our customers and we, they get a really good response and uh, you know they ask about where they've been and what money they've spent here and there and, and you know that, that's, that's really good uh, solid independent research and they, they said in 2021 that was last year um, 15 million dollars additional spending right throughout the outback region so mm. that's huge that's just oh, enormous spending. Unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's really great to know that you know not only you're bringing uh, joy to all of these people who are coming out and uh, having a great time but you know you're actually giving all of these little towns uh, a, a great boost so it's uh, it's definitely a win-win yeah, oh it's a consequence of something that happened by accident it's just um, it's incredible yeah. look to, a couple of things before we because obviously you know we've been going at it for a while here but we don't want people to fall asleep greg listening to us but it is a story <laughs> and it is the and like it is our first edition of the big bash podcast and it is to set to you know to explain to people how all this happened because now people just just a given oh, i'm going to be red next year you yeah, I, I mean they don't even think about how it started i, I mean some do but not everybody would be aware of it. I mean, there are people going out to Big Red now who are probably kids when it started, you know, especially like, yeah, you know, 15 yeah, yeah. and now 25 and hooking up and taking their little yeah. kids out. And but it, I, know, I, know. I had an interesting photo of a little, little uh, four-year-old at last year's Big Big Red Bash. And, um, uh, no, it's a four-year-old today, Monday uh, this year, Monday, Monday Bash, and uh, on his parents' shoulders and on his T-shirt, he said, I was... It said I was made at Big Red Bash in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very yeah, good. Yeah. So, mate, a couple of things. So, the idea now, the way you think about how you just threw it together to begin with, and you know, set up a little stage. John Williamson played, and a few people sat around and bought up in caravans. To the design of the plaza and the way that you set out everybody in the streets that you, you know, that you grade in there and have everyone in this big semicircle. from the ground it looks like it's just you know everybody set up but from the aerial yeah. shots yeah. mate oh, it's yeah. just incredible mate where did that where did that vision come from how, how did you know it was going to look like that well we were looking at how we set the thing out and um you know we've uh, we just thought, well, logically, it's got to be, you know, we've got to have some sort of a grid thing, a simple grid system. And, mm. and you know, we sort of threw around a few ideas between our team and and, and, the, and the circular thing became an idea. And we thought, oh, yeah, the circular thing, that could work really well. You have all the roads going around the circles and then you've got pathways leading out from the centre, you know, out towards the, the back. And, um, you know, it might be a great way to separate the traffic from, you know, and, and, and make the whole site sort of, work and, and and it really does and you know and I guess we we did a bit of uh, we had a little bit obviously um, Burning Man over in over in the uh, US in Nevada in the desert there they, uh, I think it's Nevada in the, in the desert they they do a similar thing it's a lot lot bigger than, than us because they've got a massive massive area over there I think they have about 70,000 people mm. but uh, you know it's just exactly the same design as we're using um, is this big sort of semicircle where you've got you know sort of blocks and and uh, yeah, but from the air it looks spectacular. We've just actually just got a photo come in yesterday uh, of Monday Monday Bash, and we've got a we've stitched together 
I think about uh, 15 or 20 aerial images to give one big overview aerial image from directly above, and it just looks mm. amazing. Oh, it <laughs> is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And look, I think, Greg, you've won event of the year a few years ago, knocking off the big events like Vivid and the like, and that was in a, you know the biggest event in Australia, not just in Queensland. Uh, and now you've got the Monday Monday Bash, which is, I think, will be just as big as Birdsville, if not bigger, because it is more ex- it's, it's it's accessible for people uh, in just passenger vehicles, and they haven't got to worry about all that dirt. They might not, you know, there's a, you know broken hills not that far away where there's accommodation options, and you can actually go to Monday on a motorbike if you want to. Um, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, so you're catering for everybody. Um, I think the fact that you've you know, you've tailored this event for the people with things like early entry camping passes and early exit passes and all these little things that you've tweaked and to make it a more enjoyable experience for the people that go there, which is why I think it's so well received and uh, which is why it's, uh, it's now uh, such, what we say, a well-oiled machine that's basically looking after people and providing a, an experience like no other. There's not an event anywhere in this country like these two events it's just incredible mate thanks for being a part of the first podcast and we can say that monday monday there are still tickets available for that event on august uh in in august which will be uh midnight all joining jimmy barnes missy higgins casey chambers john stevens daryl braithwaite the, uh, braithwaite rather the black sorrows richard clapton the wolf brothers russell morris Russell Morris would have to be, and a stack of others, I mean, I could be here all day, but Russell Morris, he's become, basically he's part of the event now, isn't he? He's performed there so many times because he's, he's there by demand. Well, he's he's yeah, by demand. Right. He's he's really the, the people want him. He puts on a great show and people, people, you know, people ask people who do you want to see back, they always say Russell Morris, so uh, no one ever complains when Russell Morris comes back. You know, he hasn't come every year, but, you know, he's been quite a few times and he's always, uh, he always puts on a good show and he's always well so yeah absolutely and he's a great he's a great bloke too so yeah yeah, yeah oh for sure yeah definitely so august, uh, august 18 18 to 20 um get tickets still available so the, the website mondaymondaybash.com.au purchase your tickets now because i think it'll be a long time before you see that sort of lineup all together um in one well, place won't, you'll, you'll, yeah you'll never see a lineup with uh, jimmy barnes at midnight oil together again that's uh you know midnight oil this is their very last tour mm. um so it's really the last opportunity you get to, you're gonna get to see them in a big uh you know on the red dirt basically in the outback um mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely so we're gonna be re- really special yep. really special all right greg now well done mate congratulations and again thank you uh for allowing us to be a part of this and i think we'll, each week we'll uh We'll tell people and give them information about, um, you know, what's happening at the at both events. Uh, it's it's a podcast that will run over um, the you know it'll be seasonal, so we'll run it you know prior to the uh, event as we lead up the couple of a few months leading in, and obviously we'll ramp it up a little bit you know throughout that period between the two events. And then we'll rest it over um, after August, over summer, bring it back again early in the year and get people into it. But we'll provide information here for people, some tips, some advice, some behind-the-scenes stories. Uh, there'd be a few of those, Greg, wouldn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, repeat all of them. <laughs> endless, endless stories that come off the back of this. I mean, I can tell you there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. We're really, look, I think we're really glad to, uh, we've thought about doing a podcast for a long time, but we've been really busy with heaps of stuff but no it's great to I think it's, it really gives us a good opportunity to, to better connect with uh, uh, you know with our audience and, and really get into a lot of detail about some of the ins and outs and behind the scenes stuff and mm. you know more information and you know getting getting other people who have done the event to share their experiences and volunteers and mm. you know there's, there's artists there's all the people in the in the towns uh, around the event you know other characters in the outback that we can speak to so it'll be a really interesting oh uh, absolutely I'm sure we'll make a really interesting podcast we series will. and uh, there's plenty of great content that uh, people are really going to really going to enjoy I think yeah absolutely and we'll speak to some of those business people in those communities you know hundreds of kilometres away and ask them what the event means to them and obviously any uh, any tips we can give people on places you know if you've never been before you want to know where you can camp and where you want to stop and I also want to talk to we'll talk to some of those people Greg who 
who have set up those little suburbs, if you like, those little Facebook groups, and <laughs> yep. and and, yeah. and which and they all work together, and and people ask questions, and there's a, you know there'll be a hundred answers and different suggestions, and we'll talk to those people as well because at the end of the day, it's their event, and it'll be their podcast as well. You, you can get in touch on the. Uh, on the email, and if you if you want to say good day, if you've got any questions or suggestions or anything like that, you just go to the email bigbash at omfgroup.com.au. That's bigbash at omfgroup.com.au. Say good day and please just email your questions through. Any tips uh, you might have for us, any suggestions? It might be an artist, Greg. Uh, who they might go. Hang on, can you get my favourite bloke who plays at the? Uh, you know, the local RSL, get him up there or something. You, <laughs> yep, never, you yep. never, ever know, mate. Greg? Never know. Exactly, no, mate. Exactly, yep. mate. It, uh, it certainly, uh, I look forward to bringing this to uh, people uh, over the next few months uh, as we get stuck into Birdsville and, of course, uh, into Monday in August. Big Red Bash this year is sold out, so you need to keep an eye out what's happening there next year. But you're in luck because the uh, Monday, Monday Bash, still tickets available. MondayMondayBash.com.au. Purchase your ticket there. Uh, don't let the grass grow under your feet. You need to jump onto that. But, Greg, well done. Congratulations to not only you but your family and also everybody who has worked with you on this over the years. It's been a pleasure for me to be, a, you know, to be some sort of a part of it over the times on radio, just promoting it and encouraging people to get out there. I think it's you've certainly set up something now that is enormous. Will there be a third event? <laughs> not for not for a while. <laughs> We're uh, you know it's like our kids, you know. You have one kid and then another kid. And you go, yeah, two's enough, I think. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a small yeah. one somewhere, a little dinner and show or something like that, mate. Something yeah, exclusive. Yeah, if there was a third one, it'd be an accident. I'd say. Oh, so, well, yeah. the first one was. All yeah, right, mate. Yeah, first one was. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with the big red bash. We'll obviously uh, converse, um, you know, behind the scenes, but we certainly do look forward to bringing people uh, this podcast. Um, over the next few months and giving them all the information we can. Greg, thanks very much for your time, mate. And and we'll talk to you soon. We will for sure. And, of course, that is our first edition of the Big Bash podcast. We certainly do thank you for tuning in. A little bit longer than what they'll normally go, but obviously it's a big story, so it takes a bit of time to tell it. And I think you agree with me that uh, it certainly is a fantastic uh, event, get onto it now, mondaymondaybash.com.au. You can be a part of it this year and uh, get out there and enjoy what is more than just an event. It is an outback experience. Get in touch through the week or any time you like, and that is at bigbash at omfgroup.com.au. Uh, we certainly do thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again very soon.